Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Monuments, Museums and Mojitos. Hi guys. Hi everyone. This week's episode is called Staddy Issues. Um, it's basically, what do we do with all the statues? <laughs> uh, yeah, because they're kind of awkward, aren't they? Like yeah. white imperialist, slave owning, um, colonialist. colonialist, genocidal statues that are up in our spaces around the world. Most of them being men. Yeah, oh, white men. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, um, this is going to be, I think, of a, a bit of a sticky chit-chat, uh, nevertheless informative, but to help us get through it, we are sipping on an espresso martini. It's one of those days. It's been a long week. <laughs> yeah. We're embarking on a interesting conversation about a really contested issue at the moment of what should we do with these monuments and statues that provide pride to some people and absolute racism and offense to others stay tuned so in 2020 we saw um the black lives matter movement really bring this topic to uh the media to kind of international awareness um for for some of us for the first time um as we kind of discussed which monuments should be kept in public places, which ones were offensive, um, whether they should be torn down completely or recontextualized. But as Polly will tell us, uh, this has actually been a conversation that's been going on for much longer in different contexts. Yeah, in a typical dismissive way, people don't mention that this has been happening in Eastern Europe for the last 30 years, when Eastern European states had to disregard their... Uh, socialist identity and embark on a post-socialist move to join the European Union and capitalism, basically. So, for example, in Eastern Europe, streets were renamed, communist symbols were taken down, and we have quite radical cases where in Berlin, for example, the People's Palace, which was the parliament of the of the regime in Eastern Berlin, was destroyed, and on its place it was rebuilt the Baroque City Palace, which was originally demolished by the communist government in 1950. A case where an architectural heritage that was part of the city's urban environment and past was replaced by a supposedly better and more genuine symbol. That's interesting because that kind of brings us back to some of the conversations we had about the Acropolis um, in terms of choosing your heritage or choosing your history and choosing your identity through that. Yeah. So the new democratic, capitalistic and Western orientation was excluding the old communist identity. And for the majority of the states, the regime had to be erased from their collective memory instead of coming to terms with it. Today, do statues from the communist period in ex-communist countries exist? Yeah, they're, they're still there. I mean, there are multiple of them, but also we have a lot of cases where they have been destroyed, they have been relocated. In Poland, we have a huge decommunization movement where statues, especially of the Soviet army, are destroyed without any objective discussion. You've been in Memento Museum, right? In yeah, Hungary. Memento Park, yeah. yeah. yeah what Hungary. do you think about it? Izan and I, yeah, in um, 2019, had the opportunity to visit Memento Park in Hungary, which is basically a, a park slash museum with uh, communist statues from Hungary. And it's very kitsch. It's very... Yeah. I don't know, it doesn't seem like they're completely taking themselves seriously because they, you know, you go on their website and it's people posing in front of the statues, taking selfies with them, mimicking yeah. the statues. Yeah. But it is a place, a concentrated place, which is actually quite far out of 
the center as well like yeah. you've got to jump on a bus and sit on it for 40 or so minutes but yeah it's a place that has these statues all together yeah but if you think about it they've taken these statues out of their original context they have and they don't explain uh, well where they came from and where they were in the city yeah they just kind of grouped them all together yeah. they just plonked in like and a you garden. remember i think this is a very good case of disnification disnification yeah. yes where as you said people just hang around and make fun of these statues and these statues have lost their symbol and the original idea that they portray but in the same time they disregard the past of the country and it's a dark past that needs to be remembered by the local people well yeah it's definitely bringing a very light and you know making fun of in a to a certain extent of Hungary's period of communism. Yeah, they're basically manipulating the historical image by erasing a certain past. Yeah. And they do what the communist leaders have been doing when they came to power. Uh, side note, Hungary, actually, just while we're on this note, they are a bit problematic with their statue erections in that they, again, when Izamor and I were there in 2019, we were taken on a tour that showed us a statue that had recently been put up that showed a representation of hungry in the form of like a woman holding an orb mm. and then above that was a hawk or a crow sorry was or... it not a nazi eagle i feel like it was, was a nazi, it a nazi eagle? <laughs> i feel like it was okay, a nazi maybe, eagle i think that they say it's a crow but uh-huh. i think it's massively like represented to be a nazi eagle but anyway this statue is saying that hungry was blindsided and has no you know was taken for a ride by germany um in the second world war so kind of forced into it. Like, forced into it, pushed into it. We had no other yeah. choice. But it takes the responsibility away from Hungary. And this has obviously upset the Jewish community because they're saying that Hungary is not taking any responsibility for their their role in the Second World War, which obviously was contributed to Hitler's Holocaust. Yeah, yeah. And they have actually, and the local Budapest community, they have uh, created their own kind of monument a semi-permanent one in front of the statue where they hang uh, photos and notes to to kind of show that it should be a place of memorial and not a, a place of scapegoating. Yeah, or... we need to heal from this, yeah. not yeah. hide it. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a difficult case for Central and Eastern European countries because it's part of the nation-building process after 1989. This destruction of statues or relocation of communist statues is in a way trying to establish a right type of a country, which in many cases is dismissing the communist regime of 45 years Mm. and embracing nationalistic aspiration and values. And it's often viewed that uh, the removal of of a Soviet monument, for example, will bring um, the end of corruption or the justice for the crimes of the communist leaders and the establishment of a new progressive and fair politics. But this is not what is happening. Like a quick fix. Yeah. Yeah, because there's something about... I don't know what it is about the communism that is kind of seen in a, in a more kitschy way in Western societies, but obviously not in the Eastern Bloc or not in the countries that were yeah. affected by it. But I think in my country, if you saw image of Stalin on like a cafe wall or something, and there was kind of a, a communist theme to the cafe, that wouldn't be seen as offensive or insensitive whereas if the same thing were to happen in bulgaria like how would that be taken probably very differently well yes and no like that's the issue with uh, monuments and and statues from that time for many people 
in Eastern Europe, they symbolize a dark regime and suffering, losing lives. While for another big group of people, they symbolize a very nice period of their lifetime. Many people in Eastern Europe are nostalgic about the communist times. So it's a very it's a very complicated topic. And we have to take into consideration that many monuments from that time have become neutral with time. Nowadays, for my generation or even for younger generations, they don't represent anything negative. They're just these monumental statues where they hang around or where they meet. So they don't have they don't represent a dark regime necessarily. In fact, they have a interesting monumental socialist realist architecture. Yeah, Nick, you were in Sofia do. a few times. Yeah. And you saw the Soviet army memorial. Yeah, and in Hungary again. Like these monuments to me are fascinating. They're yes. super they're art. They are art. Yes. And to me, I see it as something I honestly see it as something exciting. As a student of history who you know, in Australia being so far removed from seeing this in practice in any way. They're something I'd go and see. Yeah. For example, in in Sofia always when there are mayor elections. There are candidates who always propose that this monument should be removed or should be relocated. Well, in the, at the moment there, we have you saw that we have a skate park and there are young people around yeah. teenagers who are biking. It's really skateboarding. Yes, the, it's not just a statue on a street in a park. It is an entire square with this monu- massive monument in the middle, but all around it are other small monuments all resembling small statues small statues depicting the the coming of the soviet army in bulgaria and how it was greeted by people so a lot of propaganda here yeah (laughs) but (laughs) But they're a piece of history yeah yeah and And a piece of propaganda but but the important thing is that young people don't relate to it in a negative way they relate to it in a fun way because they uh, meet their friends there they're riding a bike but People want to play politics with it and want to play politics with the past. Mm. And there's always this amount of candidates that would say, we need to relocate it, we need to demolish it. Yeah, yeah. And it's, <laughs> it's huge. <laughs> inst- instead of reappropriating it, or I would say not even doing anything with it. Like, I think time has made it neutral. Time has mm. healed has healed it because now we have people hanging out there that don't associate it with anything negative. But would your parents' generation and your grandparents' generation feel quite different about it because well, they lived through communism? Yeah, certain. Yeah, there there is this population that would feel negative about it. So this is the complicated issue. How do you approach this generation that associates it with bad memories? And here comes the repopulation topic that uh, maybe through plagues, um, maybe through some interactive infrastructure, there is there is a way to deal with that. And also, there is this is the educational issue here. In general, in Eastern Europe and especially in Bulgaria, we don't know how to speak about our communist past. We don't have a, an objective conversation about that. And I think this is a similar way in countries with colonialist past, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, education is at a loss, a complete loss around these figures and these monuments and this period in Australia at least <laughs> yeah and well in the UK as well like I think most people I think it's changing now uh, my my brother is a lot younger than me and his generation I think uh, probably being taught in a slightly different way but when I was at school colonialism didn't factor in to what we were taught it was all it was our nation's past related to Great Britain And then, you know, the empire was kind of, it was there. 
and but it's kind of an afterthought there's no there was no conversation about the consequences of the empire and although we did a bit about slavery it was kind of very detached it was like oh no this terrible thing happened and these slaves it wasn't how our country and these people directly profited from that happening yeah. it was kind of a this happened it's not we caused this to happen or these men who we see as great men who we have statues to how they caused this to happen and they profited from it. So that's a conversation that hadn't been happening up until very recently. And not to justify it in any way, but teachers aren't taught this. Yeah. So how are we expected how are we expecting our students to learn about this history when teachers don't have the resource or the time? Or they just feel uncomfortable about the yeah. subject. Like if it's you're not easy, yeah. yeah. If you're a kind of white suburban middle class teacher having to approach this topic when there are others that you can choose from. Like if you can choose between the Battle of Trafalgar or colonialism and enslavement, it might well be easier to to go down the Battle of Trafalgar route. Because <laughs> because the other one is quite uncomfortable. It's really pushing you out of your comfort yeah. zone yeah. and your own, like Nikki said, your own knowledge base because you weren't all about it when you were growing up. So how um, do you relay that? Yeah, and I think the protests and activisms around the statues, particularly in the US, but also in the UK and in Australia, um, around colonial and colonial figures and slave traders were actually a source of information. If they're not going to museums or to talks or learning about this in their own time, how are they meant to gain a visibility towards this dark history? Yeah, I think that's a, a very valid point is that although a lot of people call for the statues to be removed completely, if they are removed, then does that just stop this being talked about? Does that erase the conversation as well as the colonialism? And that would be my my concern, I suppose, about just removing the statues would be that it would stop the conversation dead because it would just erase that past. It would It wouldn't promote more interaction between the community and well between the community and the the governments the the local councils who make these decisions about what's kept and what's not and so yeah if we just stop having those conversations then it doesn't actually do anything to heal the wounds of colonialism or of the slave trade or yeah yeah i completely agree but in the context of um the us and um the uk to some extent and australia to some extent there was violence around this there was outright police brutality firstly but also violence mm-hmm. so maybe it's problematic in the same way i just think that we have to take into consideration that these statues are associated with really atrocious actions done by very important figures like all statues <laughs> the colonial statues that we're talking about okay yeah but would you argue that you, the communist statues are not so atrocious yes same the communist regimes have an atrocious legacy they've done terrible acts the soviet army has been associated for example with rapings with looting they killed as many as 100 million people across all the regimes in the 20th century so china yeah the so yeah, yeah yeah definitely so- it's it's heavy <laughs> yeah communist <laughs> regimes have really bad legacy that's the thing what makes something better or worse than the other why each statue has its own context exactly yeah and each context requires a different approach i would say as as i said the context of the for example the soviet army memorial in sofia it doesn't trigger people really it's a place where people meet it's a place where teenagers hang out it doesn't really trigger people it would trigger people when politicians use it for their own political agenda 
and to play politics with the past mm. so they can gain certain amount of votes. Would That's you... when it triggers people. That's when it's put to the society's attention. In the case of uh, slave of statues of slave owners, they really trigger people whose ancestors have most probably suffered from that. But I think Bulgaria and other kind of Eastern Bloc countries have had the opportunity to confront the past and to heal from it. Whereas in colonial countries, we haven't confronted that past yet. And that's the problem Absolutely. is that now we're confronting that past for the first time. Yeah. And that's why it's creating this tension, yeah. these, this violence, um, because it's something that we haven't ever really acknowledged properly in a satisfactory way. Yeah. And the thing is, these monuments, they were erected for a purpose in that the people at the time were thought of to be great men because, you know, they'd accomplished this or they were, you know, philanthropists or they were war leaders, uh, war heroes. So they, at the time they were celebrated for that. It's just that they were also slave owners or they had plantations and that's where all their money came from i'm not saying only like obviously that's a massive deal but then when we look at say the u.s presidents how many of those were also slave owners at the time they were in office like the founding fathers were slave yeah owners. pretty much all of them like thomas jefferson george washington all the big names they had slaves while they were in office is it any, I'm just just putting it out there, not saying that I have an opinion either way, but what's the difference there between keeping those statues and still venerating those people when someone who, you know, say Edward Colson, who was in the UK, um, one of the founders of Bristol as it is today, he was also a slave trader in the 17th century and his statue was pushed into the harbour. So I don't know. Are they that different? They aren't. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so no. Yeah. It's a case which each community in each city or small town or village has to address by itself. And this comes also another another topic of discussion that usually communities and the, the average guy, he doesn't have a, an objective opinion about it. So there needs to be objective discussion about what do we do with, with these monuments and statues. Well, that, that's the other problem, so, isn't it? Who makes these decisions yes. and how informed are mm. they? So you know, local authorities, academia, yeah. governments, they need to be involved in an heritage managers. They need to be involved in objective yes. discussion about that topic. And then local society should decide what do we really want to do with that? Yeah, literally who is erecting these? Like that's the question we need to ask and we do need to ask from where are they harboring this support? Yeah, and uh, because an example um, in Australia, the New South Wales governor uh, in 2013, just quietly, what the fuck, um, erected a statue of Lachlan Macquarie who was a British army officer and colonial administrator from Scotland during Australia's colonial slash Britain's colonial times. And he's described as having a leading role in the social, economic and architectural developments of the colony. So colonialist 101. Um, and on his plaque, it reads, he was a perfect gentleman, a Christian and a supreme legislator of the human heart. Ooh. I like how they've put a Christian in the, <laughs> in the mix of everything. <laughs> but like this guy has a total flip side, like a lot of the statues do. In April 1816, he ordered soldiers under his, his command to kill and capture any Aboriginal people um, they encountered during a military operation aimed at creating a sense of terror. 
And his statue was just In erected? 2013. Wow. His men shot and hung two Darawal men and one woman in trees to terrorize other indigenous people wow. before hacking off their heads as trophies that actually en- ended up in Edinburgh University. Wow. Yet we erect a statue of him in 2013. Oof. And Australia. <laughs> Get a grip. Yeah. And I'm sorry, but I, I have to also mention here Captain James Cook, who sits in Sydney's Hyde Park. He was erected in 1879, but his statue still says discovered this territory, 1770. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is um, alluding to the notion of him having discovered terra nullis, in, implying that Australia was com- a completely barren land and he claimed that he conquered it, he made it something. Uh-huh. That is... I don't even know what to say. That is just completely blatantly disregarding for the culture that existed on that before that. One of the oldest living cultures on this world. Yeah. There's no mention of what his arrival in Australia did to the Indigenous community. And did you know that Australia is the only Commonwealth nation where a treaty does not exist between colonizers and Indigenous people? Really? And it was only in 2008 where the former Prime Minister Kevin Rudd made a formal apology to Australian Indigenous people, particularly for the stolen generations whose lives were just completely blighted by past government policies and forced children to be removed and disregard Indigenous assimilation into the country. Yeah, that was... 2008, that's like, what the hell? Yeah. I mean, it's good that it happened, but it was... That should have happened years before. Anyway, sorry. Australia's yeah. a whole can of shit when it comes to this. So, <laughs> But again, it's about not having yet really confronted the colonial past in a satisfactory way. No. And back to Captain Cook, when um, the Black Lives Matter was going on in the US, people defaced his statue, Captain Cook's, in Hyde Park. Um, and Prime Minister Scott Morrison told the people who wanted the removal of Cook's statue to get a grip, um, arguing that in his time... Cook was one of the most enlightened people. Wow. Get a grip, mate. <laughs> wow. But thanks, Gomo. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't yeah. there a similar case with Boris Johnson? Oh, well, yeah. Uh, Boris also is very much of the um, opinion that we should not cringe away from our glorious past. I think he, he used the word cringe. We shouldn't, we shouldn't <laughs> feel ashamed of it. Um, and that, you know, the empire was great and we were a great country and we should not be ashamed of that despite all of the, you know, massacres that took place under our watch, despite the fact that we invaded nations with their own cultures and imposed our own way of life upon them, um, toppled governments. It just did all the shit that colonial powers do, basically. It stole everything that we wanted and left what was Disease, left behind. Murder, yeah. Yeah. atrocity. Yeah. Well, there's Columbus as well. Let's not forget him. <laughs> Yeah. South America. Yeah. He, yeah. He's hanging out in uh, Barcelona. Yeah. In the center of Barcelona. Yeah. yeah. And throughout Spain, right, Polly? Yeah, yeah. He celebrated. Uh, he's a person who uh, symbolizes the occupation of the whole Latin America. Mm, there is still the Columbus Day, which is celebrated in Spain. It's a national holiday. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, well, we have Australia Day. Yeah. So, so imagine <laughs> how, how you feel as a Latino person living in Spain oh, and God, yeah. having a national holiday called Columbus Day. Yeah. Well, it's a holiday in the US as well. I mean, it's mm. come under much more controversy yeah. in mm. recent years, yeah. but yeah. it's still there yeah yeah um going back on boris and scott morrison that's my issue sometimes when politicians and policymakers deal with uh, difficult heritage and statues is that they want to return in their highlighting a previous and more glorious past which brings 
an aspect of nationalism and patriotism. And I'm like, for God's sake, it's 21st century. It's didn't so didn't we progress yeah. and didn't yeah. we go beyond that? Yeah. But then like, with both of them, they're right-wing governments who trade off of being mm-hmm. nationalistic and, you know, somewhat racist. Yeah, we had this statue in Sofia, a communist statue, which was demolished uh, some years ago. And on its location, currently, we have a newly erected memorial of the dead Bulgarian soldiers during the Balkan Wars and the First World War. So we are demolishing uh, our communist past and we are returning to a more glorious past, mm. uh, supposedly a more glorious past. And it's a symbol of nationalism again. Like, why is this a good thing? Yes. Why do we have to return to that? There's definitely some kind of strange nostalgia around monuments in general, because it just does seem like all of the ones that stay in public places are of this kind of glorious past and like why why do we not erect monuments now about current affairs or about you know things to be proud of okay sometimes modern art is put in public spaces but but it's not the same it's not politicized in the same way um most of the time at least so i think why do we keep these statues that are no mm, longer relevant maybe we need to discuss what's the role of statues in in current society and i have the feeling that the existence of statues is just a classical European nation-making process where we need to have a long and distinctive history that should be complemented by material legitimacy, that we should legitimize our past somehow. And statues were playing for a long time a significant part in that process. But nowadays, it's not how society functions anymore. Society has developed. Yeah. We don't do statues anymore, do we? Like you said, Izan, if something's going to be erected, it's, it's some art. Yeah, like it's, it's very rarely a mon- unless it's a monument that really shouldn't be erected, yeah. like your your yeah. example there. Yeah. But um, but yeah, there just doesn't seem to be. We don't seem to commemorate ourselves in the same yeah. way anywhere anymore. Like our current culture doesn't commemorate people or events in the same way. Yeah, and yet we keep this version of our past from a hundred, two hundred, or more years ago. For what reason? Or even if we're taking down one statue and putting up another, it's again to a, another glorious past, like yeah. Polly mentioned. So I think why? we struggle. I think modern society struggles with the concept of living with ambiguity. We can't accept that there could be something positive and negative coexisting together. We can't. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we have to be either glorifying something super victorious, or yeah. we have to glorify a certain struggle. Or in of in achieving something, why can't we have structures that are both good and bad, as yeah. everything in life? Isn't it that the uh, idea? Isn't <laughs> that's isn't a, yeah, that's ideal. Yeah, <laughs> where people with different memories, people with different experiences, can share the same place and be oh. in peace with it. But then we, I guess, we come to the question of what is the purpose of a statue? If if a statue is to glorify, then are we still glorifying people haven't we moved on from that isn't that something that was more done in the 20th century haven't we realized that glorification and nationalism which kind of go hand in hand in this sense yeah are not a good thing exactly i think we should stop yeah with glorifying people people yeah and then memorializing them in the forms of statues which are in public places that most of the time no one asks for yes I guess that was popular probably, yeah, as you said, 100 years ago, but... um, In the UK and I think 
Western Europe, it's definitely since the Second World War, we've kind of stopped doing that because it just felt like that was kind of the cutoff point. And since then, there's been a majority of peace for Western Europe. And so it was like a cutoff point of like, okay, that was our last big conflict to commemorate. And there are so many, you know, Winston Churchill and Second World War um, memorials or Spitfire memorials and things across the UK. But but since then, yeah, we don't really commemorate anyone or anything. Yeah, and as you said, Winston Churchill, like his legacy has definitely been impacted during the last fifty years. Yeah, with his views on colonialism. Um, so that that's another argument. Yeah, I guess we don't need statues anymore. But then, the or if that... we're gonna have statues, they shouldn't be of politicians and they shouldn't be related to nationalistic aspects. Mm. But yeah. I think what goes hand in hand with statues is what goes hand in hand with history, in that it's written by the victor. So if we want to start creating a more holistic uh, interpretation and representation of statues and figures, we don't. We're not only changing the conversation about the erection of monuments; we're changing the conversation about how we learn history and yes. also how we unlearn it, because we have been taught one side that is the side of the victors yeah Yeah. and from an ancient historical perspective all the statues that we have ramses Mm -hmm. uh pericles all the egyptian pharaohs for that matter all of the roman emperors all of the roman emperors sumerian kings mesopotamia they are the victors and when we look at it from that angle if we did not have those would we know about these cultures so I guess and what we know about these cultures is probably one-sided oh absolutely written yeah. by oh. people who have been working the for stories, these emperors you know like the the history of women in ancient Greece and Rome nothing no yeah if they weren't a goddess then... yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's literally nothing about them that, yeah. 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 I think we come to the conclusion that Building statues nowadays is something old-fashioned, and if we're gonna, <laughs> <not> cool kids. <laughs> and if we're gonna build statues and monuments, they should be more abstract, and it shouldn't be related to politics and wars, I guess. Potentially, but then, as kind of leading on from Nikki's point, it's about our cultural identity, isn't it? It's like, a bigger picture. Yeah. yeah. Like, how do we want to portray ourselves to the future? And if we're not yeah. erecting monuments anymore, then. How are we leaving a picture of ourselves for future generations? Yeah. What like, What are the archaeologists gonna find in a thousand but years? But we don't. We don't say. I don't say that we shouldn't be erecting monuments. They There should be different types of monuments. Yeah. Yeah. But we have to really con- think about the identity and the portrayal of of culture that we want yeah. to put apro- across yeah. to future generations, yeah. to our own current generation. Yeah. What do we want to say about ourselves? And that's something that is very difficult for everyone to agree on. Yeah. And what about our current monuments? What do we do with them? Yeah. I think each case is different. Yeah. Uh, we cannot approach the Soviet Army Memorial in Sofia, for example, uh, in the same way as a statue of uh, an American founding father who had slaves. Mm. Um, each case is different. And each case needs to be ab- addressed in an objective and independent way. Um, but obviously, as a as a person who has graduated heritage and who is a fan of heritage and culture, like we would argue that monuments should be reinterpreted, right? Yeah. Context that w- added. Yes, we should put plaques. We should put inter- we should put interactive information. We should present them in a, a two sided way in in education. Yeah, like contextualize them, reinterpret yes. them. Yes. 
But then there are, there's also the argument that in museums, only 15% of people who visit museums actually read the labels that are there. So if we just yeah. keep the monument as like a figure of glorification, yes. is anyone actually going to take notice of yes. what's written there? Maybe not. But at the same time, if we have the the argument that you don't learn your history through the monuments that you see in your everyday life, you you learn history through reading books, through the education system, TV programs, museums, etc. That is a that is a current argument. So the the statues don't matter. So if they're taken away, it's not going to affect anyone in terms of learning about this. Yes. I'm not sure I agree with that because I think you see the statues every day. It's something mm. that, you know, kids who are playing in the park, they see that monument right there as they're playing football mm. or yeah. on the swings or whatever. Like they are not necessarily going to be watching a documentary mm. on yeah, exactly. the slave trade. But yes. if there was a way to reinterpret the statue that included all aspects of what had happened and what we should learn from that as a society, yes. then... I, I think there isn't a universal solution. Yeah. But I think we should accept that it's okay to destroy a statue that symbol that brings uh, negative memories and experiences to a certain group of people that are associated with colonialism and slavery. And it's also okay to preserve a statue in order to not forget our past. So we don't repeat the same mistakes and that's history. What is the purpose of history? It is for us to learn. It is mm-hmm. for us to remember and hopefully not make the same mistakes again. So removing these monuments threatens that. Because yeah. otherwise, what public history do we have? Yeah. yeah. But the thing with monuments that we need to keep in mind is, is that their purpose is to glorify. Mm. So their story needs to change as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, you know, the story of what they are as an art form. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, guys. Well, that's a wrap. <laughs> um, thank you for joining us with this episode. I hope you've had something to think about. I'm not sure we've provided any answers, but um, we've definitely provided some questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as, as usual, our main goal is to speak how we should engage with heritage and how we should understand culture and address heritage in a holistic way yeah yeah that's that's definitely the aim whether we provide any real answers or not (laughs) 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 so uh so thank you everyone and you can follow us where And remember, guys, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at, at Museums Mojitos and on Facebook with the podcast's full name. Thank you and see Thank you next you guys. week. Bye bye. Ciao, ciao.